All right, welcome back to another episode of Sexy Theology. I got with me a guest. First time on the podcast, but not first time chatting on the interwebs. Uh, Tim Whitaker. Am I saying that right, Whitaker? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Think, think of Avengers and Odyssey. Okay. And you, you run an Instagram account called uh, The New Evangelicals. Um, we've talked before, and so people can find those but why don't you just real quickly for people who are listening to the podcast maybe who are not familiar with what you do what is the new evangelicals um tell me a little bit about your family who you are those sort of things yeah sure my name is tim whitaker i started a nonprofit organization called the new evangelicals uh, we do three things we're a digital first organization so nothing that happens in person uh, we hold space for folks marginalized by the evangelical church. We advocate for accountability inside of evangelical spaces, and we help people explore the Christian tradition beyond what I call is the basement of evangelical fundamentalism. So we do that via uh, long form content, short form content. We do that in private Facebook groups. We do it in Zoom groups, um, podcasts, kind of everything that is digital and media driven. So that's what mm. I do, and I live in New Jersey. Grew up in the church my whole life, was homeschooled the whole nine yards, and um, I would argue my allegiance to Jesus led me out of a more conservative evangelical approach and into a quote more progressive one. But I like you, I'm sure that you like to be careful with your terms and there's a lot of qualifications to that. But yeah, mm -hmm. that, that's what I do now. Yeah. So let me ask you a few questions because I, um, of course, this is not always possible to do on social media with short form content, but what I find really helpful, especially when I see like longer sermon clips, you know, I mean, and I yeah. would, well, all I mean by longer is like, they're not 30 second sound bites or like one, two, three, four minutes is sometimes I wish pastors, preachers, you know, people who are speaking maybe at a, at a, you know, on a Sunday at a church is when they're stating, this is when they're making a statement, they would also clarify, this is what I don't mean. Uh, because sometimes people will say something and they're like, God is all love. And I, and I want to agree, but I'm also like, what do you, it'd be helpful sometimes. I'm not saying everybody has to do this, but what do you not mean by that? Um, mm -hmm. So let me, let me get some, let me get, let me ask you for some clarity on a few things. Number one is you use the term deconstruction. We've, we've talked about this before. What do you mean by that? Because when people sometimes in the comments, as we were talking about just before this, talk about deconstruction and then they explain it. I'm like, okay, um, that doesn't sound like deconstruction to me. That sounds like something else, but maybe everyone's using the term independently. But w what does it mean for you? Um, yeah, well, I mean, it's a slippery term because it is broad because people use it on the internet for various things. But there are a few common threads. Usually yeah. it is you start from a place that is religiously centered. Uh, in our context, usually it's evangelicalism. And then you move on to something else. Um, either a different form of Christian thinking or out of the Christian tradition completely. Um, deconstruction was a term that kind of got picked up in online spaces as like, a, oh, yeah, I resonate with that idea because I'm rethinking or I am tearing down certain beliefs and maybe rebuilding some new ones at some point. So how I have used it for me and for maybe our work is I use, I use the word a lot of times renegotiating faith or um, – uh, disentangling my faith. Um, I use deconstruction. I'm not opposed to it or anything like that, but I call deconstruction an explosion. It's not a movement. There's no um, appointed leaders of the deconstruction movement. There are people who other folks follow and they share their information around, but there's no one setting like the parameters to what that means. Um, I call it an explosion because people go in different directions when they start 
that process of whatever that looks like for them. For me, it has always been about going deeper into my faith, not farther away from it. But for some people, it ends up where they get above ground out of that fundamentalist basement and go, I can't live in this house. I need to get out of here. So they just leave the house of Christian thought altogether. Okay, so it's a little bit more of an exodus, um, I assume, versus a shared value system. So it's a little bit more of yes, moving yes. away from a particular thing. Okay. I would agree what? because because a lot of people, and again, we're talking about a very massive thing that has a lot of like non-influential people sharing their experience online, right? So it's not like you have, I mean, there are people who have grown out of the movement. I mean, we're one of them, but but there's other folks who would say they deconstructed and they have a very different value system than we would have, you know? So sure. it's more about that process more than the actual destination or results. Yeah. And to be fair, I, you know, I've seen videos online of people who have claimed they've claim they've gone through the deconstruction process and they would say they're not Christian anymore or they're just spiritual or some people, which is totally different than what your testimony is or your story arc is. Um, okay. What, yeah. um, I know you talk a lot about the evangelical church and this is not meant to be a gotcha moment here. I just want to find out what you, what your thoughts are. What, what do you mean by evangelical? Because to, to me, there is some definition there, but it's, it's also a little bit of a loose term as well. So what do you mean by evangelical? Incredibly. This is a very slippery term. I mean, any legitimate scholar who studies this will tell you that there's really no set definition. There just isn't. There are, there are there's these four staples. Um, I forgot the person's name who kind of came up with these terms of like, here are four elements of, of what make up an evangelical, Bible-centric, heavy emphasis on evangelism, um, resurrection of Jesus, things like that. But as far as what it means to be evangelical, I mean, the term has really shifted over the past maybe two decades, I would say. Um, I think that we've seen a, it being used more in the political sense, you know, the rise of the moral majority, Jerry Falwell kind of made that term more politically motivated. And it's only really expanded, I think, since then, especially with the rise of Trump. Um, but historically, evangelicals have been all over the place in terms of thoughts, political perspectives. Um, although I would say from maybe the 60s on, there has been a pretty conservative fundamentalist uh, twist on the movement that has kind of um, appointed some some gatekeepers who have done a really good job of trying to um, police who's in and who's outside of the movement. And uh, Isaac Sharp's book called The Other Evangelicals is a great history of this. So I fully admit that the term evangelical is slippery. And, um, you know, Kenneth Copeland and James White, uh, they're very far apart in terms of almost everything, but they would be in the evangelical umbrella based on the circles that they operate in and their commitment to the Bible, etc. cetera. Uh, so I would agree. It's a slippery slope for sure. Or it's a slippery term for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. That's helpful. Um, cause sometimes I've heard people talk about evangelicalism and they go, I'm not evangelical. I'm this. And I'm like that. Uh, no, that's evangelical. And so I just, yeah, it's just helpful to hear. Uh, I mean, like, 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 like Kristen Dumay, uh, or Dumez who wrote Jesus and John Wayne, she would talk about evangelicalism from like a cultural perspective, like, like, like the evangelical culture. I'm not sure how old you are, but I'm 35. I grew up in the heavy evangelical culture CCM music scene, right? Like Emery, mm -hmm. Under Oath, all these bands, Supertones. They were part of this, like this, this culture of evangelicalism that really made its own bubble that, like, kids like me went through. Then you have some of the more theological implications. You have the National Association of Evangelicals. But the key thing to know is that, unlike um, 
Catholicism, where there's a pope that kind of sets the standard that then the church follows. That's not how it works in evangelicalism in America. There's, you know, Al Mohler might like to think that he's in charge of the evangelical movement, but evangelicals dissent from him all the time and still are part of the same series of networks and subcultures, etc. Yeah, I would agree with that. Okay, one last question. We're going to jump into talking about the content of the video that initially started this conversation. What's one, uh, and this is broad, so feel free to answer it however you want to answer it, but um, what's one area where you feel uh, like you're misunderstood online? Because we were talking right before this about how it's so frustrating feeling like you're misunderstood. And um, (laughs) somebody in the comments was, was, tagging me saying that I, I wasn't open to have a conversation with you, not, and you know, <laughs> and they didn't know that we were literally going to have a conversation three days later. Um, and that's okay. You know, like that, it didn't frustrate me. It was more funny and ironic to me. Yeah. But, um, okay. With a lot of the work you do, what's, what's one thing where if you do see a common thread where you feel like you're misunderstood online and what would that be? Um, by my maybe detractors, you know, I think um, people, well, there's, I think two things. I think there's a a thought out there from some people that I just hate the church. Um, and number two, that I'm not a real Christian. I mean, those are the two ones, the two biggest, biggest ones that I hear all the time. They don't bother me anymore. They used to when I first started this work. But um, as I've kind of grown in my own faith and understood just how big the Christian tradition is, I'm like, okay, you know, like, it's just, you're not in charge of my faith or what that looks like or, you know what happens when I die? Like, it's just not up to you. So believe whatever you want. It's not going to stop me from doing my work. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, okay. In the, in the video and for the podcast and YouTube video, we'll play that right now. But in that video, we talk about, um, the contrast between fundamentalists. And I actually, I actually misspoke. Some people have commented on this when the first time I said, I said fundamental Christianity. I don't even know what I would exactly mean by that. But I meant fundamentalists. Um, and I made the claim that it's the same issue, but a pendulum swing with progressive Christianity. Now, of course, these are broad terms. We just got done talking about how there's um, they can be slippery and we have to define what we mean. But there's uh, everything becomes an essential doctrine on one side and everything um, to some extent becomes a non-essential doctrine. Um, and you, you had issue with that. You're saying... Progressive Christians do have essential doctrines. Um, I guess my question is this, though. So here's in the Roman, you know, in the Roman Catholic Church, you just got done talking about this. But there, the main thing that that would convert me to Catholicism is if I agreed with their magisterium and their authority structure. Obviously, if I if I believe that the Pope is who they claim he is and the office is there, I should probably become Roman Catholic. That would make the most sense. If um, if I put more weight into councils and creeds and things of that nature, I might become Eastern Orthodox. And then you come under some sort of authority structure and a dogma follows that. In, in, the, in Protestantism, it's a little bit of the wild, wild west. And um, there's some good and there's some bad with that. But it seems to me, and you can correct me where I'm wrong here, it seems to me in the more progressive uh, circles of Christianity, we move further and further away from any sort of authority structure, whether it be, whether it be external or it be creeds and councils. 
And I'm not trying to straw man the argument. I think I could make a decent argument for the other side. But um, why don't you just respond to that first? Do you see that? Do you disagree with that? Well, I mean, are we talking about progressive in the sense of like how they view scripture, like the Bible is not inerrant or like we don't affirm the physical resurrection of Jesus or we think that queer lives are loved by God equally as non-queer. Like what category are we talking about progressive here? Yeah, what, what I mean by progressive, I usually mean a lower view of scripture and then what follows from that. But define then, that one. Th- th- define that for me too. Like when you say low review, what are we talking about? Well, just similarly to where people in different faiths, there, there's there's high church and there's low church. It, it doesn't necessarily mean that they value the church the same, but it's a term to describe how the authority structure works within the church. When I mean a low view of scripture, I don't mean somebody doesn't love the Bible, and I don't mean that they don't read the Bible or take it seriously. What I mean by a low view of scripture um, is that the further you get away from, um, and I'm not saying I agree with this fully, but the further you get away, get away from the idea of inerrancy or maybe even infallibility, the further you get away from that, I would say that's the lower view you have of scripture. So the more tainted you think it's possibly been by its current cultural moment or the more um, the more mess with it's been with in the transliteration, that ends up resulting in a lower view of scripture. It's less divine and human, and it's more human with touches of divine. That's what I mean, if that makes sense. Okay, uh, yeah, we, we can come back to that uh, later on. It's just helpful for me to understand. I, I'll be honest. I mean, I didn't grow up mainline Protestant, so I don't want to speak out of turn. But my understanding is that the Episcopalian Church, the Lutheran Church, the UMC. They're quite progressive in those views and have a lot of structure and a lot of, um, I forgot what your original question was, but like I was going to answer with like that. That was my response to that. Was like there are plenty of those spaces that um, are. Uh, I'm I'm sorry, I'm blanking on the actual words that you said. What was the original question that you asked me? I was asking you. Um, we have all the way from Roman Catholics, Eastern Orthodox. Yes. They have their different authority structures and the dogmas oh, right, that follow right, right. that. Then you have Protestantism. Yeah. And then what, That's and right. then, yeah. And then as we go along the spectrum, we're getting further and further away from, yeah. Well, I would argue that non-denominational fundamentalists have less authority structures than Episcopalian ones do, uh, or that UMC churches do. Um, the IFB independent fundamentalist Baptist church network has, uh, laughably no accountability for their pastors who molest kids. For example, they get passed around to different churches, uh, and they're completely, you know, hardcore fundamentalists inerrancy. You know, we take the Bible seriously, rah, rah, rah. Um, compared to someone like the Episcopalian church, which has many progressive sects in it that have a diocese and have uh, eldership structures and as far as I'm aware anyway again I'm not an expert on this on this uh, denominational structure but way more authority and way more checks and balances than someone like the IFB or the average non-denominational church that's accountable to no one but maybe the pastors and the self-appointed elders sure I, I get yeah and maybe I I'm not articulating articulating this as well as I want to but Let's dive into this because what I'm trying to get at is, um, and this is what people are asking me in the comments, and this is, um, I think this is probably one of the main foundational questions um, with the argument, is what are the essentials? And what I mean by essentials, and this is people in the comments kept saying, the essentials are love and inclusion. 
that's that's but what i mean by essential doctrine and typically what's meant by essential doctrine i'm not talking about what should be our value system i'm talking about things doctrine is teachings that come from the bible so what are the things that we have to believe that are kind of like the borders like this is this is what makes christianity christianity if we don't have this like for example like the most obvious would be is if you don't believe in christ at all of course you're of course we're not talking about christianity we might be talking about something else or a, a, a version of it but that would be very difficult to argue. So there's certain things that kind of hold it together and, and there might be disagreement on what those are. Um, but I think my argument was the gates are so much looser. It's hard to know what, what does it mean to be a Christian? If I was to ask somebody with a very low view of scripture, and I think that's what you're coming against, but let me just ask you, um, is, is there essential doctrines or things that somebody would have to believe? Like I, I'm, I'm sorry I'm rambling, but let me just end it with this. Um, I, listen, I listened to an, uh, a YouTube video with an interview probably a month ago. I'm not saying this is your view at all. I have no idea. Uh, I know this person's a pastor, um, and, but I have no idea like what denomination or background he's from. But he was on the progressive side. That's, that's what he said. That's what he had said. And he said he believed in a bodily resurrection but he didn't believe you had to in order to be a Christian. He said he didn't believe in any sort of hell. Um, and so I'm just listening to this going, he believes all these things he teaches on them. He doesn't believe that any of these things are pretty foundational to the Christian faith. Would you agree with that? Would you disagree with that? Well, I mean, and I, listen, your audience might get frustrated by what I'm going to say here, but my question is, I'm not the one who I, I'm not the I'm not saying you're making this claim. I'm saying in my work, I never make these claims of like what you have to believe to be a real Christian, because we're talking about 2000 years of Christian tradition with massively divergent views across the spectrum. So my question when people tell me that is, well, what are they then? Like, what are the beliefs beliefs that every Christian ever has had to believe? So they're not when they die burning in hell. I you tell me the physical resurrection maybe is 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 the only one I can think of that may be like really clearly found at least in just reading the scripture. Um, so what? Because we've we've argued over all of them. What is hell? Well, there's three major views of that throughout church history. Uh, how do we view the the atonement? Well, there's like seven different atonement theories. So. Do you have to believe one to be a true Christian and one not to be? Some people even say that 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 the KJV is the only right biblical interpretation to read. Obviously, we would disagree with that, but like, okay, is that another thing we have to add? Some people online tell me because I still affirm all the basic creeds, virgin birth, trinity, resurrection, but I'm queer inclusive. I'm no longer a Christian. Okay, we can add that to the list. So I think my question to people who ask, would ask me that is, well, you tell me. Like you, you not you, again, also, I'm not yelling at you, but, no, yeah. but you... You, Can you stop yelling at me, to, please? Yeah, I'm, I'm so sorry. You, you, you make you give me the absolutes, and you set the boundary for a Christian tradition that 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 far be is far beyond what our own intellect in one person can fully gather. So okay, but you, this Tim, you are an interesting uh, person to me because, and I mean, I mean that uh, with sincerity. You agree. You agree with. Um, the ecumenical creeds. Yeah. Like the, de like, like, you know, the Nicene Creed, Apostles' Creed, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. yeah. 
Okay. Um, do you believe that those uh, are faithful witnesses to what is taught in Scripture? Uh, like every single line? Well, okay. What I... When I... Um, like, can, can, yeah, can, well, yes, can I every single, yes, every about? single line. So, like, for example, the virgin birth, right? The virgin yep. birth. It's mentioned in two of the gospel accounts. They don't agree on each other. Paul never mentions the virgin birth ever. It's not mentioned anywhere else in the New Testament. It's mentioned in two passages. And there can be an argument made that the word virgin is the same word for a young woman, not for a, a woman who hasn't been had sex yet. Now, would I affirm the virgin birth anyway? Yes. I think it's it's a very um, helpful belief. I think it's a mystery for sure. To me, it, there's a lot of things that I would affirm about it. But could I say, oh, I can make a strong biblical case that this is the only way to view it? No. I've read enough scholars who know the Bible better than you or me who make cases that say, well, you know, it might not be as clear as you think. Fine. I can deal with that. I understand that, that the Bible is a complicated book, that things don't always add up. But I would still affirm the virgin birth as, as being a belief of, of me being a Christian. Okay. So I think for me, uh, the, the, the question is, is this, and, and maybe I think I know partially your answer, but um, I'm curious to hear what you would say. If, to me, it sounds like this, and I, I don't want to be, be too... Um, assumptive here, but it sounds like I know, I believe, I know I'm a Christian. I believe in these things. I don't believe anybody else has to believe these exact things to be a Christian. And I appreciate the, uh, the attempt there to not be overly dogmatic. And I think that can be an issue. Um, but, but if somebody comes to you and says, what does a Christian believe? You're going, you're, I, I assume you're going to share some of those things, but at the same time, this is where it's confusing me. At the same time, you're going, you don't have to believe these things. So what's the tension there that I'm, I'm missing I'm, on? What I'm saying is that in the Christian tradition, spanning 2,000 years in several different major kisms, you can find Christians in those traditions who are arguing about everything. I mean, you could even go, if you want to go way out there, you could go to someone like John Shelby Spong, an Episcopalian priest, who ends his career by saying, you know what? I don't think the physical resurrection was a physical thing. I think it was a metaphorical thing. That guy, now I would, listen, as far as my boundaries go, I'm like, you know what, John, I hear you, but like, I think it's pretty clear, at least in scripture, that like this physical resurrection thing happened. So I would say for me, that's a pretty like common 99% of, you know, Christians believe this thing. But when we say not a Christian, what I and this is actually a very important piece that I want to ask you for clarification. Are we talking about when when John Shelby Spong dies, he burns in hell because he believes the wrong thing? Are we talking about, hey man, that's just like most Christians or sorry, all Christians believe the physical resurrection. When you say you don't believe it, you can call yourself whatever you want. I'm not even saying it affects your afterlife. I'm just saying it's not really a Christian belief to have historically. Can you help me parse out the difference there for you? Yes. Yeah, that's a great question. Well, so let me answer that, but let me ask you this. Um, <laughs> sorry, I feel like sure, we're just sure. doing questions back and forth. No, would no, you you're say, good. I, I, would you I love the dialogue. Would you say an LDS, Latter-day Saint, Mormon, would you say they, it, according to your framework, your theological paradigm, would you consider them a Christian? I would not consider them in like the pretty traditional Christian tradition. Uh, <laughs> that's tradition twice. I probably would not because they just believe some things that are just so 
beyond and they also have like their own sect of books that have come recently you know with like joseph smith writing his own i guess commentary that's different to me than the apocrypha and the eastern orthodox bibles um you know etc um so i'm not really i, I here, here's why i'm being cautious about this because what i'm not saying is that those people are on the way to hell but what I am saying is that I'm not really sure in this grand scheme of Christian theology how their beliefs fit into any sense of like, even broadly speaking, like historic belief. Um, yeah, that's what I would say off the top of my head. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so your original question to me was, are we asking if people are not going to spend eternity with Jesus? if they don't believe in something like the bodily resurrection. That was your question, right? Just want to make sure I'm under. Yes. I remember, yes, right? Yes, that's right. Well, um, th there's kind of, there's two parts to the answer. Number number one is I would say, I, I'm i very careful. Uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer it similar to how you just answered the, the Mormon question. I'm very careful to say sure. a single person is going to hell, especially, I mean, I don't even know much about the guy you just mentioned, um, but. Oh, John Shelby Spong? I just don't know much about him. But I, sure. um, you know, but I do believe this, you know, I believe God is more merciful and more just than me. And so I, at the end of the day, I just have to go, I trust him. Now that if somebody were to say, um, now the reason I, I feel like I can say more, an, a Latter-day Saint is not a Christian um, is this is because if somebody were to say, Hey, I know your mom, my mom, my mom's name is Lisa Martinez Molt and um, she's five foot two and she's, her parents are from Cuba and they're refugees from Cuba. And if someone were to say, yeah, I know your mom. I just met her. She's a seven foot black man who plays in the NBA. I would go, mm -hmm. you don't know my mom. They go, yeah, mm -hmm. I'd go, I go, no, you don't. So when Mormons claim Jesus was the spirit brother to Lucifer and both of us pre-existed, he was the chosen son of God, exalted to the right hand of the father and was created just like father God was created and blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah. I'm going, that's not even a real person that walked the earth mm -hmm. who visited America. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, that, mm -hmm. that Jesus is not there. Um, and so with... With some of these other things, um, I would go, I think there are some clear doctrinal lines. Exactly how that works out in eternity when God does his bidding, if you will, I don't know how that parses out. But that doesn't, that doesn't negate the fact that I do think there is a definition of what Christian is. Yeah, and I, I think you're entitled to that. I think for me, um, it's just not really a big focus of mine. Like I, I'm pretty convinced at this point of either annihilationism or universal reconciliation at the end of the day. And so for me, I'm like, okay. Um, also, by the way, I should mention to your audience that, the, that the book, um, uh, gospel allegiance by Matthew Bates really reshaped how I saw, um, what it meant to be a Christian. Cause he does a really great, uh, deep dive on the word faith and how it's better translated allegiance and how the concept is that we're, we are to have allegiance to the way of Jesus, not just a, a um, a, a mental ascent belief in him. Did you say um, salvation and, by allegiance? Yeah, I think that's what it's called by. Yeah, by I got Matthew it right. Over, I got it right behind me. Yeah. Have, have you read that Bates. book? Yeah. 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 So that book really shaped a lot of how I thought about even this idea of salvation or being saved or what it means to be a, a, a Christian, where I'm much more focused nowadays on like, well, 
what does allegiance to the way of Jesus look like compared to just a focus on these mental ascensions, which really comes out of, I think, more of a Greek philosophy mindset anyway, but, but which is not a bad thing. I'm not saying it's wrong to have beliefs. But what's interesting to me, and again, I'm not. this is not a critique of you. I'm just using it to springboard into the bigger conversation, is how my evangelical framework was so focused on gatekeeping the right mental beliefs, and they had such a low view on like the right lived actions that were faithful to the way of Jesus. And that to me is very interesting because I think that if you take the Bible really seriously and you look into the broader culture that Jesus was a part of, and you look into the words that like Matthew did with word faith, you actually see that 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 the gift of grace is actually conditional. It's conditional upon your allegiance to following Jesus. And if you want another resource on this, um, Randy Richards' book, Misreading Scripture Through Western Eyes, is a great resource on this, where he dives into the patron relationship that existed in the time of Paul and Jesus. And this idea was that if, if someone gave you a gift, and this still happens in the Middle East, by the way, if someone gives you a gift, the expectation is that you give them something back at some point. It's not like how we see it in the West, where a gift is free with no strings attached. And so for me, I'm much more focus with my work thinking about what does it look like tangibly, pragmatically, orthopraxily to faithfully follow the way of Jesus. And while I do think that beliefs are important because beliefs do shape how we see the world, I'm personally, I'm not saying this is right or wrong. I'm just saying my focus in my work is not about who has the right belief about hell. Like uh, which one? By by which theologian? By which church father? Like get in line. They We've been arguing about this stuff since the beginning over who's right or, or over who's or, over who's wrong. And that's a, I like those conversations. They're fun for me. They're fun thought experiments. But ultimately, what does allegiance to Jesus look like in 2024 America? Those are the questions that I'm thinking about more and more. Listen, I think the sentiment of what you're saying and the impulse there, um, I would agree. I would agree with uh, with, but with a caveat. But I mean, to me, you, you can tell me where you disagree. To me, um, I would say I love my wife more today than I did when I first married her, and part of that is not because I have more passion or zeal than I did on my wedding day. I mean, that was filled with anticipation and excitement and emotions and all that stuff as we made vows and whatever. Uh, but yeah. I love her more today, not simply because, oh my gosh, every day I wake up with that same anticipation and excitement. That's, that's not reality. But it's because I, I, um, there's more trust there, and I've also learned more about her. I'm able to love and serve her better and um, talk to her better. And, and I know what gifts she likes more because I've learned and I put those things into action. And so to me, theology or studying beliefs, it's like if we want to know God better, we want to have a we want to have a better marriage with God if you will. Part of that but not all of that is learning. Is learning what is God like and how does he relate to us and how does he speak to us and what what is the real what is reality on some of these issues. Now of course, a lot of people get so obsessed with that and caught there and stuck there. And it's like, I've, I've said this on Instagram before, but it's like somebody who knows every recipe, but they never get in the kitchen to cook. And I think the other extreme is somebody who's like, it doesn't matter what the recipe is. It just matters if you cook. And it's like, no, we, we have to do both. And I'm not trying to be overly dogmatic about either, but I think th that's how those things are interconnected. And I don't know if you'd agree or disagree with that, but that's why I think theology and stuff matters, but it has to lead to something. It can't stay there. 
I don't disagree. I, I I think that the wife analogy, which I've heard often, falls apart because we're talking about God, not an embodied person that we can talk to who's in a unique relationship with only us. And so I, I think we have to expand our view and realize that like, if we're talking about the infinite creator of all things, all people, all time, all culture, all space, uh, and, and, and by definition, God is God because we can never fully understand who God is. It doesn't matter if we have the Bible or not, or what we think about it. It's still, there's still gonna be a layer to God that we can never fully grasp, right? That's what makes God, God and not us, God. I mean, as the rabbi says, if I, if I fully understood God, I'd be God. Um, so we're talking about something a little bit different than like an embodied, hu a human that we could just talk to and say, here's my questions. Give me your answers. Um, and we're talking about things that like, again, I want to just emphasize for the audience have been we've been in we are right now um austin you and i are participating in literally a 2000 year old tradition of working through the study of god right and we're debating it and we're kind of going back and forth and we see things differently that is the nature of of the of the world that we're swimming in when it comes to theology there's a reason why there's been countless commentaries countless books all throughout history written about these things and how we can think about it so i think about theology more about as an art form of like what can i learn from this piece of art than i do as a, a math formula of oh if i have the right equation i'll get the right answer um mm. because that's not theology that's science that's not theology they're, they're different disciplines they can overlap but like let's be very clear we're trying to describe the infinite we're trying to understand what is by definition not fully knowable um and of course we can talk about the bible and how we get it when we think about that and how we understand jesus that's all great but for me i see it as the more voices i hear speaking into my theological understanding especially in the christian house the more i'm like wow there's a lot of rooms here man and i just i it's almost like this i've been a drummer now for 25 years professionally i've been playing for a long time and I'm like, I'm just, I'm just scratching the surface of drumming 25 years in. I, I, I only realize how much more I do not know. And for me, it's the same thing with God and theology and the Bible and understanding all of that. I'm like, wow, especially, you know, you're, you're a podcaster. So am I, you talk to these people who have given their life to studying like one chapter in the Bible. And you're like, oh my God, like I didn't know so much was going on behind the text like until right now. So so for me, it's more about exploration and listening to these other voices speaking into their perspective theologically that, that informs my view of like, wow, this Christian tradition, man, is just really freaking big when it comes to these ideas and topics. Yeah, um, there's, there's a lot there that I like and I agree with. But okay, let me make... Um one comment and then I have a follow-up question to what you just said. I, I just jotted it down on a little envelope here so I wouldn't forget it because I would forget <laughs> it. Super high tech. <laughs> I do it too, man. Whatever, whatever it takes. Yeah. Um, I would say this because you, you mentioned this a few times and I, I, I thought, oh, okay, I want to comment on that. And then we would get lost, you know, going down some other rabbit hole, which is great. Um, I'm not referring specifically to you, uh, but I've seen a lot of people in the comments uh, of that one video, and it's a small sample size. I, you know, I have a, such a small account compared to the world, but um, about church history and the claims of like, hey, there's there's really no consensus, and you've even kind of said it like, man, the tradition is so wide, and this is this is the issue. This is the issue in my mind. I'm like, well. If, if we don't have any borders on the tradition, then yes, the tradition spans from all the way to LDS. 
and and then everything in between jehovah's witnesses jesus is michael the archangel jesus you know jesus uh, didn't physically raise from rise from the dead it was it was spiritual or symbolic or you know whatever it is so i i go in my view i'm not one of those people who are going to sit here and say um everything has been decided and everything's been cleared everybody's voted the same way on doctrinal stuff but i would definitely say there's been some stu- there's been some things that have not been disputed that are somewhat generic and somewhat specific at the same time i can't think of any um i can't think of you know in the year in the medieval era of any any sect of christianity or tradition um that is rejecting the trinity and so i'd go okay okay that's good i would say that the majority of christians have have not believed in universalism there was some small movements early on and it got washed out now then there's a philosophical and historical analysis we need to do of why did they get washed out and why was that not the dominant belief and the people who wrote the creeds when they include the word hell what did they mean by that and and that would take a whole nother two hours for us to dive into that i'm I'm not trying to like you know throw something out there and then move on but I, w- I would say that there are some stuff there, but I, I do think some of the issue is that the tradition is wider if there is not definition. And I think we're coming from two different angles where, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. I'm trying to go, let me, I'm trying to articulate what you're saying uh, back to you. You are comfortable saying that LDS or Mormons are not Christians because of a doctrinal dif- difference a difference with what you call a Christian tradition, with what you see in scripture. But you're not okay saying that um, somebody who doesn't call themselves LDS, but maybe has almost as weird beliefs that are not found in scripture and not held to in the Christian tradition. I'm not trying to pin you against the wall, but does that make sense? No, Um, I need an example. Okay, so if somebody, when, when that person said, Hell's not a thing at all. Jesus did not rise from the dead physically. And um, I would go that those are pretty core foundational Christian beliefs that have been held throughout. I will give you this. There's, there's disagreement on hell. I do think there's a predominant view, but there's disagreement. And so that can be a separate conversation. But to say that hell's not there at all, like Jesus meant only something metaphorical by it, I just think there, the evidence against that is so asinine. And then to say that mm-hmm. Jesus never re- resurrected from the dead physically, I mean, it goes against so much of every Christian tradition that I almost am like, wait, what? So I'm saying, why, how is it okay for you? So I'm, I'm getting louder. I'm not trying to get more intense. <laughs> I'm not offended. It's the, coff- offended. It's the coffee, Tim. I get Calm it, man. Down. It's all, it's you were all yelling good. at me earlier. <laughs> um, why is it okay to say, I don't believe Latter-day Saints because of some of their beliefs are Christians? Uh, but somebody who doesn't believe in hell at all or the physical resurrection of Jesus and they're a pastor, how, how are they a Christian? 
that's what well, yeah, I'm trying can, to get we to can sidebar, how do we define. I got you. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a fair question, and uh, you know, I, I'm, we can sidebar the hell conversation. Um, you know, I I don't I don't honestly have a great answer for you because when I say that someone's not a Christian, what I'm saying is that like I don't see them as someone who's like participating in like what has been the predominantly maybe historically held view of like some essential doctrines, like for example, the physical resurrection or like the story of Jesus. At the same time, though, that doesn't mean for me that they can't act Christ-like. Plenty of people who I know. In fact, I, what 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 brought me to why is my that stupid animation thing is happening? <laughs> what, what what brought me to thinking about my tradition even wider was when I realized at age eighteen that the gay person I worked with at Starbucks actually had more of a moral compass than some of my friends at my church. I was like. This is weird. Like this person seems to be much more in line with like taking care of the sick and the and the widow and the poor and they they do a lot of activist work, which seems like to be a pretty you know sermon on the mounty kind of way of following Jesus. Again, allegiance to Jesus. But my friends believe, at least they say that they do in the resurrection or whatever it is, and like their life looks nothing like that. I'm just saying that these things for me are kind of complicated and. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know. And honestly, this sounds so bad. It sounds like I'm, I'm punting and maybe I am. I don't really care. Like, I just, I don't care about like, oh my God, is a Mormon a real Christian or not? Like, I, maybe I would say no, but that doesn't mean that, that they aren't. I just don't really think about it a whole lot because I'm looking at who wants to help make our society better? Who wants to love their neighbor better? Uh, I'm, I'm down for that. Um, and if we want to argue about God around a campfire, fine. I'm fine with that. We all argue about God all the time and who's in and who's out, but not really my call, so not really my problem. I mean, again, I, I don't mean to speak so flippantly about it. That's just kind of how I think about it. Um, yeah. Well, but I would say yeah. as far as like consistently held Christian beliefs, I think are pretty predominantly historical, uh, pretty, uh, held as historical as, as I know. The physical resurrection is one of them. So I do... I interviewed John Dominic Crossan. He's one of the leading New Testament scholars today. He's brilliant. I mean, absolutely brilliant. He does not affirm a physical resurrection. I asked him now, I'm like, Dom, like, help me understand like how... You know, I'm under the impression that historically this is a pretty key belief, and you don't believe that. And he gave me his answer. I'm not sure if I'm really convinced, but I, I, I okay, like, so what? I, I, even Sean McDowell, who I interviewed, told me on my podcast, you cannot objectively prove a physical resurrection of Jesus. Oh, I agree like, with that. Okay. So, great. Yeah, okay, I, great. So, yes. so, and this is, so, 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 okay. And this is where I, this is not you. Now I'm getting loud. But here's my question then, right? In my tradition, I was taught that like you can absolutely know where you're going to go when you die. You can absolutely know that Jesus Christ rose again from the dead physically. And then it turns out actually we're actually we believe that I believe that there is evidence to indicate that happened, but I cannot objectively prove that. So why so who am I to tell someone like John Dominic Crossan who knows more about the New Testament, the Bible and history than I ever will? He goes, you know, I just don't think it really happened, even though I'm still a Christ follower. And we're like, sorry, you're out of the fold. Like, well, if we can't objectively prove it, and maybe it didn't happen, for me, that's flexible. It just is. Yeah, I hear you. I, um, well, now I'm yelling so, at you. I'm, I'm yeah, not angry. No, I'm passionate. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to start crying soon. Um, no, but <laughs> I would, um, well, I would say this. I hear this quite a bit. Um, or sorry, I read this quite a bit, the whole topic of certainty. You can't have certainty. And I, I would agree with that. I am not certain on, um, I want to be careful because I'm making a really big statement. 
So take this with a grain of salt. I'm, I'm, I might come back in a minute and go, wait, no, there's one more thing. I'm pretty sure I'm not certain on 99.99% of, of anything. But, yeah. but here's what I would say. I am not certain every time I get in a plane. I have extreme confidence. I have a, I have a one in 12 millionth chance yeah. of it going wrong, sure. but I have extreme confidence. But I would say we can't have certainty on many things, but that doesn't mean that doesn't mean we can't put our trust in stuff. I'm not saying you would make this argument, but what I read sometimes is, well, you can't be certain. So you can't be dogmatic. It's like, well, I'm not certain. Um, on certain things about my wife. I'm not God. I, I can't read her heart. If you said, Do you, does your wife love you? I go, I, every indicator shows she does. I don't, I don't know the inner workings of her mind and will. I don't know. Yeah. I, she could be deceiving me this whole time, but that doesn't mean I can't put my full confidence and trust and go in that direction. And so, um, I would agree with stuff like, yes, I can't objectively true, uh, objectively prove, excuse me, um, the physical resurrection. And I don't have certainty that what I believe is correct, but I do have extreme confidence and that extreme confidence. I, I, well, listen, I'm more confident on certain things than others, but I have extreme confidence on the things that have been tried and tested and withstood. Um, and we could just use that as a starting point. Cause you brought this up earlier, uh, from the ecumenical councils. I have so Can much confidence just- in that. Can I agree with you on this? Like I okay. listen, I I agree. I I I don't know if Jesus Christ rose again from the dead. However, even if it didn't happen, let's say we die and it turns out we Well, hold on. Can I just whole... can I just ask real quick? When you say you yeah. don't know, you you would say I I believe and I have full confidence in it. You're you're just saying I can't have full certainty like I I'm, I don't I'm not the alpha omega. Is that what you mean or do you mean more yeah, like Well, I what I would mean is I really don't actually like know in the sense of like scientific knowledge, right? Because I wasn't oh, there. Okay. We have these accounts, etc. Sure. However, I believe that it happened, and I the reason why I have that belief is because that belief brings actually me a lot of hope about like a future state where all things are made new, right? I don't know. That, for example, if we believe a physical resurrection happens to everyone, I don't know how cremated bodies come back to being embodied. Do you? I don't know. And, I, and, and frankly, when you think about it, it, it seems kind of ludicrous that what? people who are currently in the soil and dust come back to life at some point in a physical embodiment. But that belief of a resurrection where God at the end of all time makes all things right is a beautiful hope that gives me the, the motivation to help create a better world here and now. I can't objectively prove that's definitely going to happen in some un, you know, um, unnamed amount of time, but I still find the belief incredibly helpful. And this is why, like, Eastern Orthodoxy in that sense, they're really big on the mystery. Like, I get it, guys. Virgin birth, kind of crazy. People don't rise again from the dead. Physical resurrection, it's it's crazy. But something about that belief, right, brings me hope that the God at the center of all things is in the business of making things, making the crooked straight again. And that idea of a physical resurrection, of God conquering death, of one day death will have no sting. I love that belief. I'm in for that. Can I objectively prove it? No, but I hold on to it and I'm confident in that knowing full well, I could be wrong. I could die and there could be nothing at the end of my life. I fully recognize that. So because of that, I tend, I'm not saying you don't do this. I'm just saying me. I tend to give people who would come to a different conclusion on some of these things, a lot more wiggle room than me being like, sorry, 
you have to take my high confidence as as your as your certainty as well, or else you just don't get it the way I do. To me, that's where I kind of that that's maybe where there's some separation there. Does that make sense? It does. I just I just view it differently, and and maybe maybe you have issue with this, but I just view allowed. it as. <laughs> huh? No, yeah, exactly. So you're not allowed to view it differently, Austin. I know, you see I know. <laughs> but I just I view it like if Christianity is this thing here in front of me, I walk up to it. I go, I want to follow that man. I want to pledge him my allegiance. Um, I, I love yeah. how Heiser says it. He called it uh, believing yes. loyalty. Believing loyalty. Love Heiser. So and good. so I go up to him. I go. I want to give. I want to give him my loyalty. I want to. I want to follow this Jesus. And then with that, there's this thing called Christianity, right? There's there's practices. There's values. There's beliefs. There's there's this family. There's there's all these different things. And I don't come in there and I go. I don't believe in the physical resurrection. I don't believe that. It's it's to me. I go. It's like I'm being adopted into this family. The family values are already written on the wall. I accept them. The the in, in other words, what the the family values, and I'm using this. Maybe this is a horrible analogy. I'm just going on the spot here. Those those mold and shape me. And so um, I, I don't think you would disagree with that because I'm I'm talking about some of the things that you said you already agree with. Um, but that, that's just how I view, I, I, I come to, I come to Christianity. I come to the kingdom of God. I come to, you know, whatever phrase we want to use and I adopt its worldview, its belief system. And yes, there can be wiggle room and grace, but to say, but to say just because there's wiggle room and grace doesn't mean that something isn't wrong. And I don't think you would refute that, but that's all, that's all I'm trying to do is I'm trying to not be so dogmatically definitional that somebody has to agree with my exact atonement theory. Of course not. I would never say that. But if somebody believes that Jesus doesn't atone for sins, I think that's ludicrous. So th- th- I'm trying to find where that definition is. And, uh, and, maybe, and maybe you're just happy. I don't mean this sarcastically. I felt like I was going to sound sarcastic. No, no. But sure. maybe for you, maybe for you, you're just happy going, I don't know where that is. And, I, and, I, and it, it doesn't matter to me. And I would go, okay, th- yeah, that, that's fine. And that's helpful. But that's all I meant. And maybe I did a bad job in the video. That's, that's what I meant by there's not essential doctrines in the sense of, in the sense of um, these things must be believed to be a part, um, to be a Christian. I guess all I'm, and there's I guess all I'm there, trying so. to say is that re- maybe besides like two or three, that's been the story of Christianity anyway. I mean, think about the Reformation. Martin Luther nails Sorry, his, besides his two or three what? Like, like, like besides things like maybe the virgin birth or even that, but maybe like, like the, the physical resurrection. I mean, everything else has been pretty negotiated. Even the history of the Trinity developed over time. And you can even see this through through through, through the four gospels. Do you, I mean honestly, like you, you can see the tradition. And then um, if you want to watch a debate, Bart Ehrman debated. Um, wow, what's his name? He's a conservative scholar who I like a lot, actually. Um, I don't know this guy named. Wow, I have his. He's from Australia. Anyway, there has been debates on this demonstrating where they both agreed that, like, yes, the tr- the doctrine of the Trinity developed over time in Christianity. Um, and so it's what I'm trying to say is like. Again, what would you say are the absolute core beliefs that every Christian ever must have to be a real Christian? Like, what, what are they? Yeah, so what I would say is, um, number one, and I just, I'm just repeating this because 
I don't, I don't want someone to fast forward and come to this one spot and miss what I said earlier. I am not, try, <laughs> sure, I am sure. not trying to um, say if somebody doesn't agree with all these 12 things, you're, you're, <laughs> you're on your, the highway to hell. I don't, there, there is a level here where I would agree with you going, at the end of the day, I just trust that God's going to do what God knows best to do. But I do, but just because I can't know exactly how that pans out, I do, I do think it is clear that there is some definition. So with that, as a starting foundational space, I would go, yeah, the ecumenical creeds, I think are the most faithful witness to, and we're just talking about at the foundational level here, to what Christians have believed, have fought to believe, and have taught, have recited at baptisms, et cetera, et cetera, throughout church history. So that would, that would, that would be my starting spot. So it, to me, it's, it's, not, it's not one or two. It's, do you believe Jesus died for your sins? I, I'm not talking about atonement theory. It's just, do you, do you believe he was the sacrificial lamb? He died for your sins. Yes, okay. Do you believe in the, do you believe in the virgin birth? Okay. Now, even within the Apostles' Creed, there are still certain things that are more weighty than others. And we know this because they parse those out even further, like in the Nicene Creed. They go even deeper into, why? Because the doctrine of who Christ and God is, is more important than the doctrine of the virgin birth. But that's not to say it's not important. I'm just trying to say there, there is, there is um, more weight on others. Um, and we see that because they spend more time parsing them out. So that, that's how I'd answer that. Do you think that Paul believed in the virgin birth? Do I think Paul believed in the virgin birth? Um, I think that's likely. Okay. I'm just curious. Um, yeah. I mean, um, you know, listen, I, I just want to point out, and I don't have this source off the top of my head, but like you can find some early Christian American evangelicals who were like, to hell with the creeds, the Bible alone. Like the Bible tells us how to view this stuff. So again, I'm just pointing that's, out, yes. like even in our, in our own tradition, though, there have been people who would disagree with you on what those essentials are, and that's kind of my whole point: is well, like people argue these essentials all the time, and I'm I'm not ready to put down my my stake and be like, no, these are the essentials that you have to adhere to to be a true Christian. Because I don't own people's faith, I don't own their tradition. I have just like I've had I've heard people, I've heard Catholics say that Protestants are not part of the true Church because they were there first and they have a longer lineage. And then I've watched Eastern Orthodox priests argue how, no, the Catholics aren't, it's actually the Eastern Orthodox who, who are the true church. And I'm like, you know what guys, you're free to believe whatever you want. You can argue over it. You can tell me who's in the real church, who's not, who's under whatever it is. I do not care because your thoughts have no effect on my faith or how I live it out. And that's very Protestant to me, right? Very much a like, you know, F you, I won't do what you told me kind of vibe. And that is my ultimate point is like, welcome to the conversation where we're all arguing about, about what these essentials are and everyone has different perspectives minus maybe one or two things that like are 99% have agreement and everything else is pretty much up in the air. And so to me, I'm like, well, I could participate in those conversations publicly and try and carve out why my way is the true way. But like there's 35,000 denominations for a reason. And I'm not, I'm, I'm just not going to do it. I, <laughs> I, I get that. I, I get that. Um, I would just say that even the evangelicals in you know maybe the Second Great Awakening era, who say to death with the creeds, Bible alone. I would go. They're not. I'm not part of their tradition. I, that would be the only thing I would say. Uh, Are they Christians? 
No, no, no. Hold on. I'm talking about traditions within the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm saying I, 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 I don't come from that lineage. Right. Okay. I thought you were saying that they're like my, like, um, like we're both Lutheran or something like that. No, no, no. I'm trying okay. to, I was just trying to say like, well, but they're still Christians though, right? Like again, even they would even disagree with your essentials of the creeds, but I would well, still see them as Christians. Well, I mean, it's just too broad of a it's it's too too broad of a statement. I'd, I'd have to know what do they yeah. believe. I mean, they they could yeah. they could go yeah. I mean, we 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 believe Jesus is the archangel, Michael the archangel, <laughs> right, you know, right, And then right, I go, right. and then I'm like yeah, yeah okay. Sure. So I I'm not willing to say yes or no on that, but yeah. Um, Can I just add one last thing to this? Just sure, briefly. Yeah, just being fully transparent with you and your audience. Yeah. You know, I I, I am more persuaded maybe more than ever that ultimately if you look at like the teachings of Jesus, like just the persons of Jesus, this allegiance idea, I'm just way more focused on how are we living as Christians? And I'm just less concerned about what mental beliefs you might or might not hold about certain doctrines that for the record have come from people, right? Like even the creeds at some point men got together and decided, okay, we're going to, you know, have the conversation of what we think is in and out for Christianity. That and that's that's totally fine. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but like I think for me, where I'm just heading, I'm like, yeah, like what does it mean to love our enemy? What does it mean to uh, love our neighbor well? What does it mean to love God well? Is it just right belief? And, and I, you know, as I'm learning more and more, I'm just realizing like how this dichotomy between the lived the lived reality of like our actions and the mental ascensions there's kind of like a a gap there and for a lot of people i think arguably for like a, a hebrew mind they were very much integrated and not so separate so i don't know i think just for me like i like these conversations austin i have them a lot behind the scenes with friends of mine like i i do enjoy them i i like having these talks and I like debating this stuff and I like throwing my ideas out there and thinking about this stuff critically. But for the work I'm doing publicly, for the work of the new evangelicals, we're just really concerned about like how do we have that allegiance to the way of Jesus that is embodied, that is truly loving our neighbors. When Jesus says liberate the oppressed, what does that really mean? I don't think it's just a, a, a spiritual metaphorical idea. I think he had something really physical in mind. So that's just kind of where a lot of my head's at these days. So sure. that's just where I'm at. You know, for your audience might think I'm a heretic now, and that's fine. But again, like they don't control my faith or, or what I do with it or how I live my life. So I, I respect it, but I say, okay, and move on. <laughs> sure, yeah. No, and listen, I, I appreciate um, you taking time out of your schedule to, to have, have had at this point now multiple conversations. And you've been, um, I think other than the two times you yelled at me today, pretty considerate. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you're, you're, a real, you're a real a-hole there uh, for a second. No, uh, I'm, I'm joking. Um, I, you know... This is, and we can wrap up here. We're coming up on an hour, but um, I would just say, you know, something I, I wrestle with. I, I want to agree with you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I want to agree with That's you, um, and I mean that, uh, and I and I do to some extent, but I do think about I do think about these passages, and I'm not saying these passages outweigh everything else. I'm not. I'm just trying to go. How do I digest this? In light of mm-hmm. everything, and yeah. I do think about, I do think about Jesus, I, and I'm paraphrasing here, so you know, don't quote me, but Jesus essentially saying, 
um, you can't divorce him from his words, from his teachings. And if I want to love God, I mean, part of that is obedience. And, uh, and I could explain what I mean and I don't mean by that, but um, I, I, I want to love God. First and greatest commandment, you know, second to this is love your neighbor. I, I want to love God and I want yeah. to, I, w- I want to live obediently. And yeah. Jesus talks about false prophets. And I'm not one of those guys who uses the word heretics. Look at any of my videos. I've never said it. I don't call people false prophets. I'm not saying that thing doesn't exist. I, I just, it's so overdone right. at times. And, can, and then some 20 year old dude with like cool hair and is like, like, you know, is like, you know, heretics. <laughs> Uh, you know, because he because he read two books, and right, to right. me, I'm like yeah, to me, right. I'm like, yo, dude, you just gotta take a chill pill. But right. but calm down with but the I, snapper. <laughs> but I do, but but obviously, I mean, and then the apostles talk about how there are going to be people who come and they're going to say things that just you know bring stuff to your itching ears. And so I'm again, I'm not saying those things outweigh everything else. I am just going. Okay, Jesus warned that people are going to come. They're going to bring teachings. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying your teachings per se. I'm just that this is a thing, and that um, strongholds do happen in the mind, according to Paul. It's not everything. This is one part of your whole humanity, your mind. Um, but I'm also trying to not divorce my mind from my Christianity and leave it at the door and. Uh, and bury my head in the sand and be, and just, and go the opposite way where I get accused, I get accused of these videos of having this blind faith to denominationalism that is not thought through. And I'm not willing to have open conversations and I'm just arbitrarily picking what's essential. And, um, and you know, nothing's clear and I'm going now. I know, I know some of those are trolls and some of those people are just in shorthand writing out stuff that they would probably do a better explanation of if we were having the same conversation, but I'm going, okay, but guys, let's not go from, yeah, there's nothing clear. You know, everyone's just trying their best. Everyone's included if they want to be, it's like, okay, to the other extreme of, uh, yeah, I'm just going to kind of bury my head in the sand in the other way and be that fundamentalist where it's like, no, you have to believe my exact thing. I think I, that's what I – okay, so let me end with this, and then you, I'll, I'll give you the final word. Do Aww. you disagree with my – still with my video after we've had a longer conversation, uh, still disagree with it, or do you, do you agree closer but you just don't like how I articulated it? And I would just – this is how I would end it. What I mean by non-essentials is – it's a philosophical difference, but what you had said earlier, I don't really care – I love doing these conversations, but like at the end of the day, it doesn't matter to me. And I'm not out here to, to define essentials for people. And me, and then my, my critique of you and you have critiques of me would be is yes, the, the gates are open. So there's, there's, there is less definition and that is the opposite problem in my estimation, opposite problem of the fundamentalist circles, which we could name, and I have just as many problems with them of mm-hmm. all the different things that they, that they uh, conflate between a personal conviction and opinion or a, a, a new interpretation of something mixed with what actually is um, God, theanostas, scripture breathed out, com- com- mm-hmm. uh, conflating those two things. 
Would you agree with that? Disagree with that still? Just to bring it back full circle. I would agree that this idea of progressive Christianity has less boundaries on essential beliefs, mm-hmm. mental ascensions. Yeah. I do believe, though, that there are definitely essentials. I mean, bigotry is out the window in those in those spaces, for example. You know, there's a heavy focus on, on, on actionable, you know, uh, tangible ways of, like, doing certain things and, like, people that they're going to advocate for. Um, I, I think that I would not frame it as as a pendulum. I would say one is really unhealthy and one leads to love and inclusivity and i think you know the ultimate love at the that's at the, at the center of the universe which is god um so to me i just wouldn't put them as opposed to each other I, you know i think that that there's a, a a theme in scripture of the blessing of god going uh first to the jew then to the gentile right it keeps expanding outward inviting more people inside of it uh than being exclusionary but yeah i mean i i understand the point right i think the point you were making is Hey, um, progressive Christianity doesn't really seem to have a huge like um, concern about about certain right beliefs that maybe we think are pretty important to the Christian tradition. But fundamentalism seems to make everything a core belief. Where you know, if, if right. you go to a PG thirteen movie, you're going to go to hell. It's like that. That's just as bad. So I get, I certainly get the spirit, which is why I think my comment was like. Uh, who are these progressives like and, and and what are the essentials or something like that right it wasn't about like oh you're an idiot it was like well help me understand like what the point of this is and to be clear it's the internet it's a short form video you want to spark conversation and you did your video has almost a million views i think like eleven thousand shares you know thousands of comments so the conversation is happening which is i'm assuming what, what you wanted to have happen which is great we have to have those conversations i think to wrap it up for me briefly you mentioned uh, the passage about about tickling ears. You know, people are going to come and tickle people's ears, and I think it's interesting because I take that passage seriously as well. And for the work I do, that is people who fell into like the far right Christian nationalist Trumpism. You know, of like, hey, Trump is tickling their ears of like, we'll give you your country back and we're gonna make everything great again and we have to restore America. And I'm like, yeah, there, there it is. And I think for maybe, I'm not gonna say you, I don't really know, but I'm gonna say people who might listen to you who are more in the conservative camp might think it's uh, people, for me, you know, teachers who are like, hey, it's not sinful to be queer or something like that. They're tickling my ears. So I just wanna point out how, like, again, we can see the same passage. We can even contextualize it, right? We can even say, look, this is what Paul was talking about. We can even agree. But then when we apply it to our 20, first century ideal, we could still have very different applications of what that might look like to have someone's ears tickled. And so that's just part of the tradition I'm I'm learning to deal with is like, I wish I could say it's monolithic, but it's not, you know, Dr. Adam Clark, a great scholar, uh, says that it's really Christianities, not Christianity, because it's just, there's the same Jesus that was worshiped that enslaved people was also the Jesus that, you know, was used to liberate those same people, you know? So there's a big spectrum there of how those things are lived out. And I think it's important for us to recognize that. Hmm. Fair enough. I, I, um, man, you've said a few things in there where I'm like, let's talk about it. Uh, but we're at, we're at an hour span. I don't want to keep you for another hour. I'm happy for a part two. I'm happy yeah, for yeah, a part and, two. Happy to um, back on. Well, Tim, Here's what I do appreciate when you when you said I, I agree with the spirit of what you were saying and then you re, you you uh, shared back with me um, my argument I went yeah that's that's exactly right like you didn't straw man what I was saying so I appreciate that um, and this is one of those things where I think for now it's just agree to disagree but I really appreciate you having the conversation uh, with me there you know let it be noted I mean there's it, we could go down a, a, probably a list of stuff, and there's probably a lot of disagreement. There was some things we did, uh, we agreed on though today. 
So, you know, I'll, I'll give you that. Like there was some stuff I went, okay, I can get on board with that. I, I, I see what you're saying. Maybe my side of things, we err a little bit too much on this. So I give you that. But um, I, th- I, I don't know. It's kind of hard because it takes a lot of self-awareness and it's really hard to know to have some self-awareness online because it's, it's online. But I wonder mm-hmm. sometimes if people think that if they were to talk with me, um, I'm just like an absolute jerk. And I'm like, I don't think I come across that way. But I, I genuinely enjoy having conversations with people who, who, if they disagree with me on something, I'm always willing to listen. So anyways, I appreciate it, Tim. Yeah. Gotta be, hey, we got to have the good faith dialogue, my friend. Like, that's the only way. We're on the same planet, breathing the same air. You and I are in the same country. Like, we got to make it work somehow, right? So we got to talk. Absolutely. Okay. Well, if people want to follow you, um, I'm going to put uh, the link to your Instagram account in the description of this YouTube video slash podcast episode so people can check you out if they want to follow along and see uh, what you're doing. And, of course, the normal links for all my stuff are down below as well. Tim, once again, thanks, man. And uh, everybody else, we'll see you in the next episode. See ya.